Last week, one of my appointments uh, took me near a cornfield, and just so happened as I was getting out walking around, the combine came through, cutting corn, and that really took me back to my youth, to that pattern of life with which I was blessed to grow up, and to that pattern of work that I saw in my dad and my granddad, and that was expected of me as well. In the second reading, there's a pattern that emerges which is drawn from Genesis, from the creation account in Genesis. God created all that is and entrusted the whole of creation to Adam and Eve, telling them to have dominion over the whole of creation. Dominion comes from the word dominus. We know what that is, right? Dominus boviscum. Dominus is Lord. So he was inviting them to share in his lordship, that is, in his free act of love, creating everything, entrusting it to them, and then inviting them to reciprocate what they had been given. You could conceptualize it as the ark going out of an act of free love, inviting reciprocity that then would create an ark back, kind of forming a complete circle of love, if you will, like the circle of love that many of you wear on your ring finger. Arc out, arc back, a circle of love that was broken. Of course, when Adam and Eve fell for that temptation, you can be like gods. You can have equality with God. Now, what do we hear in the second reading? Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to be grasped or exploited. He didn't fall for the temptation. Rather, he emptied himself and receiving the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of humans. He was subject to the fallen world. There's the ark out, and the ark back was his response, which was what? He was obedient even unto death. The ark out, the ark back... That is, Christ was faithful, trusting all the way through death, which he transformed through his love, through his gift of himself, his offering of himself, which then created an ark or a path back for all of humanity that we too uh, could journey along. It's like the parable of the lost sheep. A sheep wanders away, becomes extricated, caught in a situation which it cannot get free of, and it requires the good shepherd to go to find it, to set it on his shoulders, and to return it home to God. The sacrifice of Christ on the cross, therefore, has nothing to do with destruction. I mean, it has nothing to do with appeasing an angry God. It has to do with new creation. It has to do with restoring creation to its authentic identity. That's what Pope Benedict said, and you can see that. Here's what God's intention was, but the intention was not followed, but now it's been healed. John Paul II said that the Mass is evidently a meal. That's what strikes us first about the Mass. We can consume something. So evidently, the evidence suggests it is a meal. But he said, even with that being the case, it is primarily and firstly a sacrifice, a sacrifice 
to the Father, which we then receive. He said Christ's sacrifice was certainly a gift for our sake and for all of humanity, but it was first and foremost a gift to the Father, a gift to the Father which is then shared with all of us. It's like the Passover lamb that was given by the family to the priest to be offered, sacrificed, and then shared back with the family who would then prepare it and consume it, which is represented very clearly in the gifts that we bring forward, that you bring forward, that are offered here and then are returned to you transformed. The Mass is primarily, firstly, a sacrifice. That comes out clearly when the priest says, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours might be acceptable to God. And it comes out also when the priest says, lift up your hearts. Right? The heart is pretty well connected with the rest of your body. So it means what? Offer up your life, your whole existence here. And this is part of the reason why I'm supportive of the prospect of having one or two masses celebrated with priests and people facing the same direction because that way of celebrating mass underscores the sacrificial dimension of the mass that's largely been forgotten. Um, Many people would be surprised to learn that Vatican II did not do away with that. In fact, the directions for the priest to this day in the Missal presuppose that everyone is facing the same direction. But Vatican II said it is possible and at times advantageous to celebrate Mass facing the people. But it can obscure that sacrificial dimension. For example, when the priest extends the consecrated host and wine, chalice, extending them to you and singing through him with him and in him, it's not exactly clear as he's looking out towards you to whom he's offering that. But it comes out, especially and tellingly, in the typical critique of mass offered with priests and people facing the same direction. What's that typical critique? The priest has his back facing us, right? That's typically how it's phrased. But notice in order for that to be a coherent critique or statement, what must be understood as the reference point? Or rather, who must be understood as the reference point? It must be you. You have your back towards us. But you, I'm afraid to say, are not the reference point any more than I am the reference point. The reference point is first to the Father who takes what we bring and transforms those gifts so that we might receive them. Now, notice the dynamic. Because God became a human being, the acts of Jesus on earth are not confined to history like they are for any other figure, the Buddha, Muhammad, us. But because Jesus is man and God, all the events of his life, including the sacrifice on the cross, are present both in time and outside of time so that when he becomes present here, we have access to that sacrifice so that then we can join or bring all the little sacrifices that we've made during the week, and they can become meritorious, efficacious, powerful. This is partly what your mom or your grandma had in mind when she said, 
offer it up. When you're growing up, typically if something you didn't like, offer it up. You don't get your way, offer it up. You don't want to eat your vegetables, offer it up, right? Meaning, take that and bend it back in this direction. Offer up. It gives the possibility for us in our lives to do something that is of eternal consequence so that when you're at work, for example, and you're trying to give a Christian witness, that is, you're not engaging in gossip or you're trying to say the good things that people need to hear, you're offering up, you're taking that little space and attempting to direct it back towards the good. Or maybe when you're at school and you're about to have lunch and you buck up the courage to make the sign of the cross and say grace in the midst of everybody else who's looking at you. You're claiming that moment in time for him. Or maybe it's your spouse who is declining in health, beginning to walk through that dark valley of the shadow of death, and there you are accompanying them in hope with the light of Christ. No, even here, God has not abandoned you, but will open death to a new reality for you. There'll be struggles with relationships, a spouse or maybe it's adult children who have wandered away from the faith. And so you offer prayer. Maybe you give up little things for them and bring them here so that they become powerful. It's not just things that we've done well, for sure, but it's also bringing the messes of our life here. It's kind of what we do at the beginning of Mass. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. I'm a mess. Make something beyond a mess of me. Make something, do something good with me. Do you see it? It affords us the possibility then to then, what? What's the next step? Well, to the degree that our hearts are desirous of Jesus in the Eucharist. Remember, the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you to the degree that you believe and you want him to enter into your life. He then strengthens you by the food that you receive to make that ark back out into your daily life and redirect it back to God. That's, friends, part of the reason why there is a Sunday obligation. You do not have access. We do not have access to him out there like we do here. And so we take what is out there, bring it here. He collects it and offers it to the Father and makes it powerful, meaningful, eternally. Arc out, arc back, right? A circle of love, pattern of redemption that we are blessed, privileged to participate in right here and right now.